my mother always said that don't think too much what you have done. You cannot change the past. Concentrate today's work because you don't never know that what is the future, but by doing your best today, you can also to do your best for the future. Tarja Halonen was the 11th president of Finland and her country's first ever female head of state. She took office in March 2000 and was re-elected in 2006. Throughout her remarkable public service career, President Halonen served as member of parliament, minister of social affairs and health, minister of justice, minister of foreign affairs and as minister for Nordic cooperation. A champion for human rights and sustainable development, Halonen formerly served as chairperson of the Finnish LGBT rights organization SETA and as chair of the Council of Women World Leaders. In 2010, Halonen was appointed as co-chair of the UN Secretary-General's high-level panel on global sustainability. I am Markus Hippi and I spoke to President Tarja Halonen for the big interview. President Tarja Halonen, welcome to the big interview. Thank you. During your lifetime, we have seen Finland become a successful, prosperous nation, famous for many things and not least for its welfare system, education and for being regularly ranked the happiest nation in the world. Let's talk about all that shortly, but could we just first go to the 1940s, 1950s? Finland was a poor country after the Second World War. Could you tell us about your upbringing and how you think it shaped your view of the world? In my childhood, Finland was rebuilt after the Second World War. We were very happy that it was a peace. But it was also uh, the time very, very hard rebuilding the state itself. But also that we have, of course, uh, we lost a part of the country to the Soviet Union. We had uh, also a lot of uh, dead ones and sorrow in the families. After the war, we have handicapped people and so, but I would say that my memory from the childhood was that it was still in a way a happy time because it was peace and we could rebuild the, uh, rebuild the, the whole society. Then during my childhood, it, it was the whole Europe was quite closed place, if I put it that way. When I became the young one, so uh, everything turned to become uh, much more international. And uh, that was the time when Finland, but also the whole Europe became much more international. And uh, we also opened our doors and windows to the outside world, not only in Europe, but outside of it. And uh, the youth fashion and all kind of the music and all that became part of our life starting from Elvis Presley and coming to Beatles and, and all that. So I mean that that was still an optimistic, optimistic and in a way happy, happy time, what I remember. But of course, um, also a lot of new challenges. Was a political career always something you had in mind when you were seeing the world open up and, and you got that music, you were listening to Beatles? Did you already think back in the day that you want to become a politician? No, 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 not, not certainly. I come then very normal working class family, partly with the sad memories from the war and even from the civil war, what has been already in 1917, the time of my own grandmother. I was 
very much interested in arts when I was a young one. I even started my first year at the Helsinki University was uh, concerning the history of art. Then I, I, I changed the faculty. I became a lawyer. Uh, I studied law. And, and then, uh, as we say in Helsinki, we, I turned back to the, my, the, the areas of, uh, of Helsinki, uh, my childhood, which means that uh, then I became a union lawyer. I, I learned to know every day life and its challenges also by unions. And I thought, in the matter of fact, that in those days I, I thought to stay in such kind of the work which is most typical for my, my studies. Then, just by chance, our Prime Minister Sursa asked me, or let's say the union side, that whether they could give an assistant to him. That was me. I worked with the political secretary to the Prime Minister, and then I turned more to political life. What do you think were, was your focus in the beginning? What were your guiding principles? What did you set out to achieve? Changes in the society. So uh, I think that uh, to democratize uh, our society in many ways, I already mentioned the workers and sometimes quite hard, hard time for the workers. In, uh, in those days, we say automatization, which means the new technology. And, and all that, and the globalization. But also, I think that little by little, I noticed also that the role of the women could be better. Because I was a lawyer, so I was interested in uh, minority rights. And then especially, of course, uh, I was quite used in such kind of a situation. I think that uh, the LGBTQ rights were then starting to come. In those days, um, homosexuality was a crime, a crime in the Finnish Penal Code. Our first steps in this area was that people could uh, be free to choose what is the they, uh, they way to feel themselves by gender. And um, that was a very, very big march. We started it when I was working for the student unions. It was late 1960s, and then uh, it was the positive development step by step. But uh, then uh, finally, our parliament passed, even though of the equal marriage uh, in uh, this uh, millennium. And uh, by the way, that was based on citizens' initiative. It was not uh, proposed by the government, but uh, it, it started from the NGO side, but then it became a success. Very, very important work in, in Finland. You mentioned that you wanted to work to improve women's rights and equality. Well, in, in your own political career, you have certainly learned a thing or two about breaking glass ceilings. Obviously, you were Finland's first female president, but already before that, you were in high positions that had so often been occupied by men. You were a Minister of Social Affairs and Health, Minister of Justice, and later also a Minister of Foreign Affairs. Do you think you were treated differently because you were a woman? Certainly, both in positive but also in negative way. I was even the first female lawyer in the unions. I could say that the good side in all those were that people were interested in what I said. They were interested that whether I would be able to do that. Of course, the negative side was that if I would 
fail. So they would say that the women have failed when the men will do the same. So the interest is smaller, but it's also that if the man fails, it's just this man, not the men. But I think that uh, both sides was to be seen. But you have to remember the frames of the time. So it means that I didn't feel it quite unexpected because the world was more male one in public life. So um, it was nothing unexpected, if I put it that way. So uh, one of my slogans from these times and still quite capable is that the good sense of humor doesn't solve the issues, the problems, but sometimes it might keep you surviving. You were obviously very successful as a politician and the Finnish nation agreed. Your your popularity ratings, for example, during your presidency were very high. I'm wondering, was it about that sense of humor, perhaps? Or what do you think were the things, in your opinion, that made you so successful in your career? I think that um, even we were the first, one of the very first countries who gave the full political rights for women uh, already over 100 years ago. So um, that glorious past, perhaps, was on a veil, in a way, to all the hinder that we couldn't see that in our society, where in those days, perhaps today still, but in those days much more when I was young, all kind of the obstacles, thresholds for the women if they want to do the same what the men would. And then being the first this and that, I encourage women, but also girls, to see that, yes, I can do that. If she had, she has done it, I can do that. So I think that encouragement in that way uh, has been the part of the popularity. The second thing, perhaps, that uh, I was very often called to be one of us, which means that I was not considered to be the elitist in, in that way. And, and so that helped me. But that caused also on other side, critics by those who thought that I was too, too normal, too ordinary. So that I have carried the both backs still today. Yeah. Do you wish you'd done something differently? I, I always um, give a sit-in by my mother. My mother always said that, don't think too much what you have done. You cannot change the past. Concentrate today's work because you don't never know that what is the future, but by doing your best today, you can also to do your best for the future. Absolutely. President Halonen, Finland is nowadays often ranked the happiest nation in the world and you having led the country for 12 years, you certainly have played your part in making that happen. What do you think have been the key factors that have contributed to making Finns so happy? If I say first, I, I think that you know by yourself that our sense of humour. It's a little bit the British in such a way that we love the underestimates and, and so on. But uh, when the first time came came into the publicity that we might be the happiest nation on the planet. So um, they made them, of course, they asked it from the normal average people of the street, that how do you feel that? And then the first man they met answered, which kind of the study? And then when they told her that is quite serious study, international study, so uh, he continued, is the situation of the world so miserable that we are the happiest? 
This is in the way we hardly say that we are happy, but I think that um, on the opposite way, I think that Finnish society, we we have tried to make the periods which normally are the most difficult to the people as easy and short as possible. For, I take an example, like in a case of illness or in unemployment, divorce or such kind of so on. So, as you already mentioned, the Nordic welfare state or Nordic welfare society, how do you like to call it, has helped people to be less unhappy. So I would put it more if I know the Finnish character that perhaps we are not the happiest people, but perhaps we are the least unhappy people. And another thing Finland is so famous for is its education system. Why do you think it has been so successful? Of course, to see, it has been very, very early noticed that everyone has to have an equal opportunity for education. And now, with the time being, everybody knows that um, you can build a sustainable society only based on lifelong learning. I don't say lifelong studying, but lifelong learning. And, and it is still our challenge, but uh, I think we have succeeded pretty well with um, the school system for the young ones, perhaps also the preschool education system. We are not quite that well with the, uh, then with the higher education. We are a small country and we would love to have a broader scope on this way. But, uh, but remembering that we are only 5.5 million, so I think that even at the highest level, universities, high schools and so, and the research areas, uh, not bad. Not bad, but uh, I think that the basics to see in the society that everybody, really every single boy and girl, and even then if there are the gaps, so the men and women should have opportunity really for, for learning. Now, one thing that comes with being a Finnish foreign minister or a Finnish president is close contacts with Russia and regular discussions with the Kremlin. President Halonen, as we do this interview, Russia has launched a large-scale invasion of Ukraine. During your presidency, you emphasized Finland's good relations with your eastern neighbor. I'm wondering, have your views on Russia changed over the years, and if so, how? So I would say that I always uh, remember my predecessor's predecessor, President Mauno Koivisto, uh, the last president who had been himself in the war against Soviet Union as a young young soldier. So he said that when the war was over, he thought that there must be the better ways to live with your neighbor, whoever it will be, than the war. And then we have used now more than over 70 years time trying to find the relations. And I'm optimistic. I always try to see it also in a positive way. And I was lucky enough to get a time when circumstances were much, much better than they are today. Uh, not only between the neighbors, but also internationally. Uh, for instance, the 1990s, the whole period was more optimistic concerning the international agreements, the basis for the Millennium Goals, and then with the Agenda 2030, 
which needs a lot of international cooperation, and also remembering that we have globalization. What President Putin made with this attack over Ukraine, so even the situation had, had become all the time worse, was a shock. I think not only for me or for the Finland or for Ukrainians, but for Europeans. You remember the, the telephone calls and the visits of, of European leaders. We are now in, in, in totally different situation and quite much also in Finland, but I think also in other countries have started thinking and, and studying that how long time that has been already in the mind of the President Putin. I think that we have to be optimistic and honest, trying to build the world of the cooperation, but it's dangerous to be naive, of course. And, and so, um, so this is now the very big issue. Just now I think that uh, we here in Finland, like in other countries, we are thinking that how we could help so that the, we could say that stop the war but also to help Ukrainians, because they will need it now very much, but also afterwards. What was it like for a Finnish president like you to have discussions with Vladimir Putin? What were the discussions like? If I take back the time when I became a president, so in those days, because we have had already quite, uh, how what is it, not so bad situation, quite many people who still remember now our, their homes in Karelia, which was not part of the Soviet Union. It was a lot of discussions whether we could get our, our lost area, Karelia, back. And that was in the discussions. And, and so in the very first meeting what I had with President Putin, so we have the discussion on that. And I said very openly that you, you have to say that we feel that it was not fair and we have a lot of nostalgic feelings but it was not my team in the elections, and I said that that what he could do is uh, I understood that we we spoke about also the Paris uh, Peace Act and all that that I was realistic what could be done. So I said that you could do your best that the people could visit the areas what they had these warm feelings, and you you could also try to to wipe away those those old feelings. And we we made a lot of cooperation together. Uh, we started the cleaning of the Baltic Sea. We got a new, very fast uh, tray, Allegro, which made it much easier for the Finns to, to travel to the old areas and many other things what we did. So in that way, it was easy time. When you see Russian President Putin on television, for example, now when you follow the news, is that the same Putin you remember from those years? No, no, definitely not. Of course, we all changed during the time. And uh, we have had already 10 years a new president in Finland. I have not discussed with President Putin. Just, uh, I think that eight, nine years ago, a couple of times, but I think that I have respected very, very strongly the idea that uh, the president of the republic, Salinin in this case, 
that he is that one who's, who speaks with the colleague in, in, in Rassocide. It's, uh, we are very cautious also in that way that we want to give only one opinion from the country. I'm still going to ask the question that is that is obvious. Many, many other countries are wondering about this. Your thoughts about Finland's NATO membership. You have said earlier that you don't think it's necessary for Finland. I'm wondering what your thoughts are now. I said that in that situation, yes. Uh, we thought that more than the direct membership in that time, that I was, like many others, we were willing to build a close cooperation. We are the partners of NATO. I, in my own time, we tried also to build rapid response forces to the European Union. It didn't work very well, but um, that was, in that time, the idea that building European forces Those countries who were both the members of NATO and EU, many of them wanted to keep the military side in NATO and and economic and other issues in the EU side. I think that now what we have seen in Ukraine has also shown that Europe should have more or, let's say, stronger ties to work together, uh, which is not underestimated concerning the USA, but, uh, but still that we Europeans also should have a stronger way to work together. So, of course, what's coming to the NATO, we have have all the time this option, and I consider it also extremely important, have, have to have an option to the NATO if we so see, and also from the NATO side, they have been very positive all the time to tell us that if Finland, Sweden, Ireland, or Austria, if we are willing to to join to the NATO, that the approach is positive. What is your opinion? Should Finland join NATO? I think that we have the president and we have the government, so it's the and parliament. Parliament also now this much more. Let's see. I think that uh, they will decide how we should do. And I think that it's also good to remember that. It's not just that you say yes and then immediately everything is okay, but it's a question that uh, whether you start the process or not. And uh, I'm like all the other things, we are expecting that that will be the discussion in different ways and different opinions in Finland. But certainly what President Putin has done has increased an interest what are the options and possibilities with NATO. Do you think the relations between Finland and Russia can return to what they were before? Or is that era history now? I do hope that we can rebuild it because the future of Europe, the future of the planet is possible in positive way only by cooperation. But um, sad to say, but I think that Europe today looks like that it will be a long process. Let's see what happens. Cooperation is the basis for the world globally and also in Europe based on cooperation. Because uh, whatever are now the difficulties we had with the war and all these terrible things. So if you think that what is now the sustainable development challenges are exactly what they were also before this. On a more positive note, if we look at where Finland is is now, it's it's a strong European nation. It's been a member of the European Union for quite a few years already, and as a result, the country has become more international. 
when you think about how Finland has changed during the EU membership, do you think all the developments have been positive and, and was that what you hoped for? Not all, but the most of them, the most of them. And I think that uh, some of the issues what we had earlier, so difficult to understand, for instance, that uh, people would travel from one, one country to another and then come back so that uh, the life of the one individual can be the parts in, in Finland or in UK or in Ireland and so on. And that, that was something what is especially the younger generation has love that that's wonderful that they can do it that way. So um, I think that um, the idea of the your own homeland is of course still very dear, but uh, EU has become uh, some kind of the family circle to us that way we have much easier to to live and to have the contacts. President Talon, and when you think about your career to to this day, what are the things you are most proud of? What do you think have been your greatest achievements? When I became the first president of Finland, the female president, so I think that it was much, much more, some other things too. I was very well known about my radical opinions concerning the minorities and many other issues. So in that day, I I think that to be a woman was just among the other things. Then later on, I, I have noticed that I underestimated my gender that it has been encouragement for the girls and, and uh, women. But perhaps if I take another issues, they are just uh, this uh, international dimensions like uh, Millennium Goals of, and Agenda 2030, so that they have become more familiar in everyday life of the Finns. So in that way, we it's uh, the world has become more green in that way and i think this is this is very good for for the future and indeed sustainability and environment have become bigger themes when it comes to different countries and and politicians what are your thoughts about finland's future how green should it be what do you hope to see in the future i think that we can keep our line and and uh, be optimistic In a way, we have what to do, but I think that the mainland has been quite all right. So good basis to build. Nordic cooperation has been one of those, of course, because we have learned not only in EU or in the sustainable development agenda, but we learned already a long time before that that Nordic countries, five sisters together, Uh, they were all small, but together quite uh, powerful and I hope inspiring example. So I think that we can continue on that. So you mentioned you suggest that the world could learn something from the Nordic region in that sense. What else would you want the world to learn from Finland? Education, perhaps. Yeah, and, uh, and yeah, one thing more. We always speak about the democracy and the fair elections. Of course, the fair elections are very, very important. Uh, basic brick for the democratic system, but but I think perhaps it's because the form, I'm a former lawyer. I think that the rule of law and good governments, yeah, that's also they have shown in this globalist world that how important they are. Of course, what we have seen now in Ukraine tells that um, they are all such kind of things you have to defense that somebody can spoil them in very short time, but I think that the real future is based really in that way, the, the certain rule 
norms what we have used in the Europe to tell by the words democratic uh, system and rule of law, good governance, respect of the human rights. And I think that that's something that I have said that it's not either or. You can get both the economic welfare and all these issues in the same package. That um, I think that that should make all of us very optimistic. Just finally, President Halonen, I'm wondering, we talked about foreigners coming to Finland to visit it. I'm wondering what your tip would be or your piece of advice when you get people flying to Helsinki Vantaa Airport. Where should they go to go in Finland or in Helsinki to see all the work you have done? I think that this is uh, not very good advice because not everybody can visit the schools and the daycare centers and and all that, but that would be the best. But perhaps just to visit and to see the playgrounds when the when the children are there. Or I hope that my hometown Helsinki could also organize the visits to the schools and so to tell that they could see what is all the adult education centers where people are thousands of the Finns are in these uh, study circles every day. So I think that that could be the theater is wonderful in Finland. We are really crazy with theater. It's sorry that you you don't, most of the visitors don't speak Finnish, but then we have also the ballet and we have all that. But then one piece of warning, you don't need to be in sauna in the hotter or the longer time, but you won't. It's not punishment. The idea <laughs> that you can have a nice time. Excellent. President Halonen, thank you so much for joining us on the big interview. All the best for your for your magazine. Thank you. That's it for this edition of The Big Interview. It was produced by Emma Searle and edited by Steph Chungo. From me, Markus Hippi, thanks very much for listening. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>